Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, December 3rd, 2023, called A Savior Fully Human, given by Pastor Jonathan Dinger. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 6. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, being made in human likeness. So there's a sermon outline if you want to follow. This week and the next two, we're going to examine something kind of distinct. Have you ever put together a job description? Like a position description? Or maybe if you've applied for a job, you've downloaded the position description, you said, what are they requiring here? Um, you know, it's, it's intriguing when you do that. What if you did a job description for a savior? What would be the list? Um, it's interesting. So as I look two and a half years out, I'm looking at retiring. Who knows what God has in store? God, God may be chuckling. Um, but I need, I need the congregation to deal with that. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting to be old. So, um, but we're starting to work on a position description. And you know, like for us, a pretty important one is you gotta go, you gotta like school, right? You can't have a pastor who doesn't like school. There are pastors who don't, by the way. I don't want too much work. That's usually the issue. They mess up the carpet, you know, stuff like that. You gotta like school. You gotta be in on that. Um, another one might be that you should be a pretty good communicator. Probably, conflict resolution, leadership, stuff like that. But you know, a lot of that is, those are us asking the question, what are we looking for? Right? What are we looking for? And not that that's wrong, because the congregation will get surveyed. Hey, what do you think? What are qualities and pieces that should be in for the position of senior pastor when we make that, when that decision and that time comes? What should it be? But don't you think the more important question is, what what does God think we need? And so in prayer and in searching, it should say, God, what's your plan for this place? And how will you equip it? Who will you bring? And so being that way. And then, of course, asking the other questions also. It's kind of like, you know, it's just kind of a hobby horse of mine. We ask kids all the time, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's great. God bless you. You know, monster truck driver. Um, but the better question is, what do you think God's calling you to be? What do you think God's made you to be? So what we're doing here is asking What is God sending us? Because if we put the list together for a Savior, our list might look different than God's. Ours might be, like for the Jews in Jesus' day, what was the list? We need a warrior. Kick kick these Romans out. We want to not be slaves anymore. We We need a king. We need a warrior. We need a president. We need a leader. Leader of men. You know, we need... And they should be good looking too. Or whatever. You know, they got a list. Should be like David, King David. And that was their list, but it wasn't God's list. So how do we find out what God's list is? Because right from the very beginning, God did not abandon us. I mean, if you take the Bible so literally, I mean, completely literally in everything, it's like Adam and Eve broke the world in like 30 seconds is what it looks like. I, I think it's a longer than that. Because I think they're saying, holy cow, everything was perfect, and now it's not. They messed up horribly. It was like God said, I gave you one thing, right? And we couldn't do it. 
So the world's broken, and God does not choose to just wipe them out and start over. He says, I'm hanging in there. So let's go. Here's what I'm going to promise you. I'm going to promise you a Savior. So the natural question from that point on is, okay, who's it going to be? And so this is what we look through Scripture, because I want to show you my pictures here. Like this. Anybody even love doing puzzles? So I'm probably going to, I almost always buy my wife like a thousand piece puzzle. I hate them, by the way. I don't like them at all. I think I've told you I hid the box on her one year. That was, she didn't like that. Um, but like, look, so that's what it looks like. Take it out of the box. Actually, that's a no-no, putting that glass of water, that bad move. Then next picture. And then it starts to come together, right? You get your edges, you get your corners, and you start to see what it is. Next picture. And then like in a little kid's puzzle, oh, that's what it is. All the pieces spread out, you don't know. You put the pieces together and you go, oh, it's a dinosaur. Oh, and not only is it a dinosaur, it's like a triceratops. I think that's what it is. Some six-year-old will correct me later. There you go. And then imagine if you got one of these. Look at it for a second. And despair. Right? I mean, the one on the right, you can, you know, it's got corners and edges. But the one on the left, I think I would just, you know, say a naughty word and throw it in the garbage. You know? Um, this looks crazy. Right? How would... But here's my point. That's what the Israelites, the Jews, were living with. They didn't know. They're not working with a box. They're not working with edges and corners. But God has given them hints. So that's what we're going to do these next three weeks. Because I'm, here's what it is. What we know from Scripture, what we discover. Because when you start putting all the pieces together over these next three weeks, guess what? It starts looking like Jesus. And you go, oh... When all those pieces come together. So that's what we're going to do. This week, our Savior fully human. Next week, Aaron's got it. I won't be here. Pray for me. I'm having, I got to have a jaw thing happening. And I got bit, you know, it's yucky. Anyway, got to have surgery. And I won't be here. And, uh, but it's all good, I think. We'll see. I don't know. Just pray for me. So um, I don't get along with pain very well. I'm a dude. So anyway. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Savior, fully human. Second week, a Savior that's sinless. Now, this is a big deal one. Aaron's going to do it. And then the third one is a Savior that's completely God. You know what's funny? People actually like that Jesus is human. Because the biggest single reason in human is that we have a great high priest who is tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Right? So we have a Savior. You go, to, you go in your prayer and you say, Jesus... Do you know what it's like? I just had my friend, you know, do me dirty. And he goes, yeah, I get that. He says, I've just gone, I'm going through chemotherapy and they're pumping poison into me. Do you get that? He goes, yeah, I get that. I just, I've been in war. I lost a limb. You get that? Yeah, I get that. Do you know what it's like to have your family disown you? To not have any money? To have the world hate you? Get what I'm saying? So every time you come to Jesus... <laughs> with your hurt, and you say, do you get that? And he says, yeah, I get it. So that's a big deal. But there's other reasons that are important here why Jesus had to be completely human. See, in the very first part of the church, this was the thing they denied. Later, it was his divinity. But this is the thing they denied because Greek philosophy was dominating, and Greek philosophy says flesh bad, spirit good. 
so that God would take on this corruptible stuff, you know, that you have to go in for surgery and you're drawing junk for? Bad. So they had to correct that and say, no, he was absolutely 100% human. Why does it matter? Here's why it matters. I mean, the first thing, he relates to us. That's the wonderful thing. Here's the four reasons. The first point, God keeps his promises. This is a big deal because we live in an age and an era in which people don't keep promises. I mean, I'm astounded at how much we're lied to. I'm tired of it. I'm really tired of it. If there's one thing, so I'm grateful for these new members that came in because one of them, Penny, who got baptized, she asked me the most penetrating, constant questions of um, almost any class. Right, Sherry? I mean, we've done this a lot together. And she was constant, relentless, because she had been in a situation where she felt she was not spoken truthfully to. And so we had to speak truth. We had to just lay our cards out and speak truth and be transparent. It's a big deal. God keeps his promises. What a, isn't that, what a treasure that is when you find a boss or a co-worker or somebody who keeps their word, who faithfully keeps their word. And so the first thing is God keeps his promises. All the way in the beginning, he curses the devil by saying, we call this the first gospel, right? There's Adam and Eve caught red-handed. They're blaming each other and blaming God. And God, instead of wiping them out and starting over, turns to the devil and curses him and says, here's the deal. You try to mess with my people, you mess with me. I'm not abandoning them. And you're going to take it in the shorts, buddy. And essentially he says, right, here's the prophecy. I'll put enmity, bitterness, strife between you and the woman, between her offspring, that's all of us, and yours, fallen angels, and then there's one word that ties this up. He, it's a Hebrew word. It's a singular male third person pronoun. One of her offspring, he. Not an idea, not a nation, not an ideology, not a form of government, not even a book. He will crush your head and you'll strike his heel. So he'll be injured, right? He's, that, he's human. He's going to be one of Eve's offspring, by definition, human, but with power. He's going to have enough power to crush the head of a fallen angel, to deliver a mortal blow. But he'll be injured. And we know the injury on the cross, don't we? He took the injury, but death could not defeat him. So God keeps his promises. And there are the others. God promises all the way through. Here's where he'll be born. Here's where, what he's called. And then he says, a virgin will conceive and bear a child. This is going to be a human being. And that will be God with you. God in your midst. But it's going to be a human being. It's going to, it's going to gestate. It's going to be in mommy. And he's going to pass through birth canal. And they're going to have to take care of him. Completely human. Keeps his promises. And then, and I was just thinking about this. We have a dear couple. I went to Reno and did a funeral. And the thing that I had said to her on, as she was passing, the day before she passed... She loved those, her great-grandbabies, twins, little twins. Just loved them. And I said, when you hold your twins, when you hold them, please remember what Simeon said. Because Simeon was waiting in the temple. God had promised he wouldn't die till he would see the Messiah. And how did he know that it would be in that peasant couple's arms? I mean, it's a peasant couple. They were coming to make the smallest of all sacrifices. They were the poorest people in the room holding a little baby, and he says, 
Lord, as you have promised. You keep your promises. That's the Messiah. And he held him in his arms. And you know, it's pretty powerful. I, I was able to say, when you hold that little one in your arms, you see the fulfillment of promise. Please know he's holding you too. And that's the fulfillment of promise. First thing is God keeps his promises and we need that. Second thing. Oh yeah, God. You know what's funny? I'll, I, I have a great office here. I'll look out and see recess. And recess for like third, fourth, fifth graders is interesting because they'll play sports, but they'll make up their own rules. Like, you remember Calvin Ball from Calvin and Hobbes? There's no rules in that game. They just keep making them up. You know how hard it is to play when people are just making up the rules? In fact, if you play sports, isn't it hard? Like in baseball, if the umpire doesn't have a consistent strike zone, are you, look, you keep moving the goalposts. And you get frustrated. You just get frustrated. And it doesn't seem fair, especially when it seems like they're taking it, you know, playing favorites from one over the other. And, every, and we're human. Sometimes it happens. I mean, sometimes it happens, right? Go play volleyball in one of these little towns. And they have a local ref. And it's, you're just going. And God plays by his own rules. I mean, this is an interesting thing. The, the first reference I have for you is a scapegoat. The other one is the Passover lamb for getting out of Egypt. God required a sacrifice. God plays by his own rules. The most powerful one to me is the Isaiah 53 one. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. Because God could have said this, right? Oh, I'm going to save them all, but I'm just going to say, okay, you're all saved. That wasn't God's rule, was it? He fulfilled the law when we couldn't. He paid the penalty that was due us. Man, now that's some integrity. And we live in an era without much integrity. And I, I long for that integrity. That's the God you have. That's why him being fully human matters. Third thing. I remember when we did the nativity, it was a year or two ago, and it was one of the neatest compliments I ever got. Um, when we do the nativity this week, and please invite people. It's cool. It's a good thing to invite people to. By the way, did you know, almost 75% of people said, if you invite them to Christmas or Easter, they'll come. They like being invited to Christmas or Easter. Rest of the year, they don't. But no, I'm kidding. Um, but those ones are easy. But the nativity is easiest of all. Hey, come. By the way, we're doing kind of a petting zoo for littles. It should be cool. Mini horses, sheep, burrow, should be cool. Um, it's a boatload of work to pull that off. And we have a lot of great volunteers, so thanking you in advance. Lots of people signed up. But it's a thing. And so I had someone walk by. Oh, it was Chris. It was Pastor Chris. And, uh, and we were doing it the first year that he was here. And I was just walking him with it and all the stuff you have to do and lining out all the hours. And it's like you work for like 16 hours a day for two days. And then boom. And then it happens. 2,000 people are blessed and it's cool. And everyone thinks it happens by magic. Yeah. And so you do this thing and he says to me, wow, you must really like these people. I mean, that was his comment. You must really like these people. 
to do all of this for them. And think about it. That's nothing. It's nothing. Think of the journey God made. Think of what he did. I mean, the author of Philippians does a beautiful job of it in chapter 2. Who, being in very nature God, talking about Jesus, did not consider equality with God something to be taken, but made himself nothing. Isn't that something? Made himself nothing. And taking upon the form of a man, right, the human likeness, he humbled himself and was obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Let me tell you, that's a real death. It's not fake death. There's no God switch. Oh, yeah, I died, but it didn't really hurt. You know, I mean, those are dumb things that people say. It's a real death. He must really love you. And when we look at things like that, like um, somebody gave somebody, a, a friend of mine, a really big rock on a ring. It's like, he must really love you. I said, no, he, must, he just has a lot of dough. But no, he really did love her. And God gave up so much more. Fourth thing. So I, like, I really like apologetics. Do you know what apologetics is? Where you defend the faith. It's like, hey, does the Bible, how come you believe the Bible's the word of God? Oh, I'll give you 30 reasons. Here's the reasons why. I, you study it and you learn it. You, you tell them here's why. Oh, Jesus didn't really live or whatever. Oh, here. There's all the historical data and extra biblical, blah, blah, blah. Apologetics. You're defending the faith. You know, I like it a lot. I especially like it to strengthen the faith of, of believers. I think it's neat for you to know what you believe and why you believe it. I think that's great. But to use it as a tool to like win someone over only works when they're asking you. If they're not asking you, it usually backfires. And so what the trick is, is I like to tell people, he must really love you. He must really want us to love him. God really loves us, and God must want us to love him. Because I love apologetics, I love the defense of the faith, but I kind of love people more. Um, it was out of love that God gave. You know, you can't love an idea. It's hard to love a philosophy or an ideology, or even in this nation that I love, to love a document like the Constitution. I mean, I get it. I love the ideas. I love things about But it's the people that are impacted by freedoms and by opportunities. It's the people. Because that's what happened. We don't love an idea. We love the one who made the idea true. That we could be loved without conditions. That we could be healed and whole. That God, in spite of knowing everything about me, and every thought still says, you are precious to me. Wow. That's an idea with arms and legs. And those arms and legs bear the, bear the scars of the greatest of all loves. A human love. A divine love for each of us. Praise God. To God be the glory. Amen. If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org and make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.